Curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're in Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're in Sales podcast. The So You're in Sales podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Regardless of your position on COVID, it's become pretty clear that the nature and the method that we've traditionally used as salespeople to build and maintain relationships with our prospects and customers is changing in a way that may not revert back to the way we have traditionally done things in the past. So I'm consistently looking for guests that can come on and share with us pieces and parts of a strategy that we can start to employ if what we believe to be the case is actually true and it's time to start sharpening our skills from a sales perspective when it comes to things like Zoom meetings and virtual conferencing and things that present challenges to our traditional methodology. So I brought in Jeroen Kurtout from SalesFlare to talk to us about the ways that they are coaching their customers for this exact process. And uh, Jeroen is co-founder of SalesFlare which is an intelligent CRM built for small, medium-sized businesses that are selling in a B2B environment. And it's really popular with agencies and fast-growing startups. So I thought he would be a great reference point for us to use when it comes to tackling this new normal. And I thought it was a really great interview. I thought there's a lot of really good insights that you can glean from this. Give it a listen. So thanks for joining me, man. I'm we're multinational today. We are <laughs> an international podcast now, which brings me great pleasure to know that I have guests from the other side of the pond. That's very fun. Question is, why don't you talk a little bit about SalesFlare so that people have an understanding of what it is that you do for a living? Yeah. So I'm Jeroen uh, Kortout. I'm co-founder and CEO of SalesFlare. Uh, and SalesFlare is a CRM system, but there's many out there, so I'll quickly place it. It's a sales CRM system for small and medium-sized businesses who sell B2B. So it's already a bit more specific 
so it's a CRM focus on sales. And what makes it different from uh, many of its direct competitors um, is that it largely fills out itself automatically. Um, so it, it sort of um, solves that issue that salespeople have with a CRM where they really hate it and, and it doesn't really do anything for them, it's just for, for management, you know. Uh, we try to we try to solve that and, and make it a tool that actually helps you uh, follow up your your customers or your leads. Just as an aside, right? So, being fifty as I am and having mm-hmm. started selling before the internet, it's interesting for me to watch on sales teams the different approaches and attitudes that salespeople have about a CRM. For me, I've always enjoyed the idea that the machine could tell me what I'm supposed to do today if I was willing to put the work in to give it the information it needs to be able to tell me that stuff. But for a lot of people, it's like you said, they see it as uh, onerous or punitive or something that sales management is requiring them to do, yet you can uncouple your brain from that negative and invest in the positive of what a tool like that can do for you. Yeah. It can change your thinking about the way you approach your work, which is a great segue into what we want to talk about today because, you know, with COVID, there was already a move towards prospects and clients being reluctant to want to give you their physical one-on-one time. Mm-hmm. And now with COVID, it's become a great excuse for them to have to not do it. Kind of what we wanted to talk about. So, you know, you're faced with this challenge now as a salesperson of having to try to sell through a computer screen, which presents a number of challenges when it comes to both the day-to-day activities of being in sales, in addition to how do you effectively conduct a demo, a discovery call, a presentation, a proposal when you can't be in the room with the people. So that was what you and I really wanted to talk about. So yeah. you with that kind of being the basis of our discussion? Sounds good. You know, obviously it's never been more necessary, um, but... I think there's a inherent sort of uh, if you did a Ben Franklin on a salesperson and if you were the salesperson trying to consider a career in sales and you were listing the pros and the cons, mm-hmm. definitely in the pro column is being able to be in contact with other people. So salespeople have a tendency disproportionately to be people powered. So now that that's been taken away from a lot of us and we have to replace it with a situation like what you and I are doing right now, staring at each other on the screen, what do you think are going to be some of the really important skills that salespeople are going to have to learn now in this transition? I, th- I think ultimately it comes down to trying to recreate what you would have normally that builds a personal relationship, but try to do that over the computer, which is slightly harder um, because... You know, there's always like you're, you're sort of two screens away from the other person. Uh, you can see the other person. That's, that's probably step one always. If you cannot see the other person, that's the first thing you need to fix. Okay. Try somehow to get them to uh, turn their video on. Always turn yours on from the start. Make sure you can. It's not just a, a phone call. It's so much nicer if you can see each other because uh, I think people say that it's like 11% the words you say, I think, and then something like 35% uh, your tone of voice and all that. And then there's like 56% that is body language. Um, and if you cannot have that half of the communication, then you're definitely um, 
missing out on, on a lot. In terms of body language, you also only get like a, a part of the body uh, when you're doing video calls, uh, chest up. Uh, so there's, there's, there's quite some you also miss below that. Uh, I cannot see your hands right now. Uh, sometimes my hands come in the screen, which I, 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 I started doing a bit intentionally because you, you, you want people to, to see that. It just conveys more. As a second good tip is to use that tone of voice more. I'm personally not a person who uh, naturally uses a lot of tone of voice. So I, I, uh, I, I do a little bit of extra effort to, to get that going. Use your facial expressions more. And in general, I would say try to be more personable. We can, we can show more of our personality and probably we also should because we, we miss out on a lot as well. So there's, there's some way that it's good to compensate for all the things that we, we don't get. There's always that moment in a face-to-face -face meeting prior to when you really dig into the content where you have mm -hmm. that, that banter, that opportunity to sort of build a little bit of instant rapport with the people who are participating in what you're doing. And that's been taken away from us. And so to your point, I think it's really important for those of us who are trying to lead that meeting in a virtual setting to be mindful of the fact that we have a new set of dynamics that we have to try to uh, manage our way through. And so for me, like I'll never really go more than maybe three or four minutes in my presentation without addressing someone in the crowd. The folks that are on the receiving end of what it is I'm giving recognize and understand that there's a possibility I might call on them. Creating that possibility, what you're doing is uh, making it so that those people have to pay more attention because mm -hmm. they have that little element of worry that maybe they're going to get called on. And if they weren't paying attention, then maybe they're going to be embarrassed because they're not able to answer. So it, it definitely presents a new set of challenges because we don't have the richness of the in-person opportunity that we typically had for sure. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, you and I were talking about this before from a pure productivity perspective, from a pure, can I do more in less time perspective, holy cow, this opens up so much opportunity for us as productivity and efficiency gainers. So how, how do you think we can take advantage of those productivity and efficiency gains? What are some of the things we can do? Definitely, like if you, if you go out and on the road and start to have meetings with people, you probably your record days, you might have four or five meetings. If you're doing really well and you're like timing everything perfectly, all the meetings um, plan out, it takes a whole lot of planning already to get that going. In a remote setting, um, you can basically take a, a calendar scheduling tool, Calendly, or you can book me or whatever. There's many out there. You can block off parts of your day. There you can block off slots and then you can say, okay, I want to have people uh, book 30 minute meetings or so. And it easily fills up uh, without you having to send a lot of emails back and forth. You just send that link. People book when it's, when it's uh, good for them. You can easily fill up uh, whole parts of days where you have back-to-back -back meetings, which is extremely productive, uh, which you would never be able to do when you're um, driving around in your car. What I have found recently, though, for myself is that when I start overstressing on the productivity, at some point I start losing my motivation. So I started saying to myself, try to go a bit less on the productivity and try to enjoy every conversation you're having because it's really people at the other side and there, there needs to be some space for actually 
connecting with people, for having a bit of small talk to make it pleasant, because otherwise it's really starts becoming boring work. Uh, that's a bit of a danger. Uh, and that's something I, I've only recently started working on myself uh, because I started sort of getting stuck in a rut there, uh, just just doing call after call after call. And and at the end of the day being like, you know, was, I had a lot of calls. I saw a lot of people, but it's all a blur, you know, <laughs> sort of that feeling. What I've come to recognize is that, especially during COVID, people are dealing with stuff. If you give everyone a chance to st- give you their take on how life is at the moment. It really serves two purposes. One, gives that person the confidence that you're the kind of person that is willing to accept that there's people going through stuff. Two, Mm -hmm. by learning where people are in what's going on, you get a better read on the way they might participate with you for the rest of the call. So if someone has historically been very gregarious and energetic with you in your interactions. And yet in this particular moment, they're acting the opposite. As a salesperson, that might give you a cause for concern. A little bit time, a bit, little bit of time in the beginning of the discussion, getting a temperature check on how everyone's doing. And you see that behavior, it gives you a chance to sort of reconcile for yourself that you don't have to worry that that person maybe isn't as interested in what you're doing or not as interested in what you're selling as maybe they have been in the past because you've given them that chance to talk to you about where they are and things. And for me, it really is a reflection of like in all of our encounters, we really need to be starting with humanity right now. Mm-hmm. Trying to understand Definitely. what it is that all of us are handling in our lives in order to give ourselves the best opportunity to be effective in that moment. But the really, I guess for me, like the, the thing that I'm hearing a lot of people talk about and a lot of the uncertainty that I'm seeing in my peer group has to do with having to evaluate a whole new set of, should I be doing this on Zoom, Roger? When should I be doing a traditional phone call versus a video call? Can I ask for an in-person appointment or is that out of bounds now? Like, There's a lot of uncertainty amongst the sales ranks as a group around what are the appropriate tools I should have as a salesperson today in order to be the most effective person in my job I possibly could be. Do you have any thoughts for us on what you believe like the right toolkit is for a salesperson today? First of all, yeah, Zoom. I would say if you schedule a meeting, I'd rather have it on Zoom than than on, on a phone call. If it's just a quick call, then maybe a phone call is easier, but I'd always prefer having people on video as well. Also because then you can easily show something which you cannot do on a phone call. I, I, I sell software, so it's like, you see that button at the bottom left? You, know, you cannot show it. It's a, it's a bit of a pain. A meeting scheduler, definitely. Uh, if you're not using that yet, you're missing out. It, it makes things so much easier. It saves uh, probably 90% of your emails. People are used to the, to the links now and they don't think it's disrespectful. With all the digital interactions, it's sometimes hard to tell where people are in the sales process, whether they're actually interested. So a bit of that digital body language you could start tracking. Uh, so you can use solutions that track your emails on opens and clicks, uh, maybe track your website visits, link to that. Uh, so you can see if they're opening your emails, whether they're clicking on stuff, where they're going on your website, perhaps. That's something definitely to look at. A good CRM uh, also 
definitely helps. Everything becomes more digital, you know, uh, because all the interactions you're having are digital. You're sending emails, uh, you're uh, having online meetings uh, straight in your calendar, and then they happen on Zoom. So a CRM can much more easily keep track of everything you're doing because it can hook up to all the places where you are uh, selling all the communication channels. It can even include your, um, what I said in a previous, uh, previous point, uh, your email tracking and website tracking that can be included. So then you immediately you have this all overview of, of everything you're doing. And if you're more productive, chances are that you're dealing with more uh, leads at once. Maybe they don't convert the same way, but you're dealing with more. And then especially you need something to, to get organized in a better way because otherwise you, you you cannot just rely on memory anymore. I have a pro tip. So these wow. Zoom calls, we're recording them often now and it's okay in many instances. Clearly you should ask if it's okay that you record the call, but a recorded person-to-person video call does that an in-person call cannot do is I don't have to take notes. I can spend all of my time focused on you and your reaction. I can interact with the things that you're saying. I can counter stuff that you might put my way because I don't have to focus on making sure that I record everything that you say because the machine is recording everything you say. Now, that actually is a drag on productivity because if I don't take notes, I have to Mm -hmm. go back and listen which means I have to devote a second block of time to our conversation. But there are transcription services that you can Mm -hmm. take this file and send it to. I use sonics, S-O-N-I-X dot A-I. Send the recording. They send you back a full text file of everything that got said in the recording. Now you have your notes. You don't even have to do that. You just send it out. It comes back and you can read through and highlight the things that are important and then send that back in a follow-up email to your guest to say, here are the notes from my discussion. Here are the points that I believe were the pertinent points. Did I get it right? And boy, oh boy, do you see, I see a tremendous response in my guests when I have them on a call like that to be able to show them back the discussion that we had and let them correct me as to whether I got the salient points correct or not. It's a game changer. I love Mm -hmm. it. It's so awesome. And it's, you know, a lot of people don't realize that that service is available or two, they think it's really expensive and that like, I, I can't afford that investment. And in reality, it's such a game changer. So Pro tip out there, everybody, if you don't already have um, a transcription service, you should definitely be on that. And if you're in a CR, if you don't have a CRM, and if you don't have a CRM by now, we're not convincing you to get one. But if you already are using your CRM, well, I think you're going to start seeing, and you correct me if you think I'm incorrect, but as AI continues to improve, I believe what you're going to see is within your CRM, you're going to start being able to have the AI feed you more information about your prospects on the information that you're gathering in your prospecting to help you predict which are going to be the actual prospects that have a better likelihood of converting. No, definitely. That's actually stuff we're working on at Salesforce. I mean, we, we, we started ourselves with automating the data inputs, 
collecting a lot of data. Um, we're still increasing the amount of data that Salesforce collects about people because from there, the more data you start having in a CRM, and that's first the basic problem to solve because if, if a CRM is dependent on, on manual data input, it will never have a lot of data. So that's why we started with that. Uh, but when you start having all that data, then you can start unleashing AI and AI is, is, is slowly getting to a point uh, where this becomes easier and easier to get meaningful results. Uh, and with meaningful results, I mean the, the, the predictions uh, need to be to a level that if you give those to people, uh, in most cases, they will not be disappointed because if you disappoint people too often with suggestions, they stop taking the suggestion. Even if most of the time it's right, if there is like a certain threshold, I believe it's around five, 10% uh, of, of predictions that are that are not useful and people just give up. So you really need to um, get that to a, to, a, to a high level. Yeah, let's, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. So let's imagine you have an account that you really wanna, you wanna penetrate. You wanna, I wanna do business with these people Mm -hmm. I believe in my heart as the sales member of the organization that what we do would be a good fit for you, Mr. Customer. I just don't know who is the right person for me to try to reach out to within the different titles within the company that could be the potential right person of all of the choices I might make to actually be receptive to my message. So imagine mm -hmm. if you could populate all of the data, you put the chief marketing officer in, you put the director of human resources in, you put the purchasing manager in, and you put, I don't know, a clerk in, in your CRM. And based on predictive analytics, it says that this particular person of that group of people would be the one that you should approach based on its ability to scrape data Imagine how much more quickly, like, I believe there's a future coming very, very soon where even if you believe today that your data entry in the CRM is something you don't want to do, pretty soon, if you don't do it, it's not going to be able to give you the information that would really actually help your job be better. Getting to a point where you can feel comfortable with, if I give the machine the right data, it's going to help me in my job is really like, if there's one point, I think you and I could really make sure that everybody walks away from this discussion feeling confident about is that point right there. Right. Yeah. So, so how close in your mind with what the development is that you guys are doing? Is it a year away? Is it five years away? Like what, what are you thinking? The thing you just said, yeah. I would say five years. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a hard problem to me, uh, but there's many easier problems uh, that can be solved before that. Uh, by the way, when you said you have to input the data in the CRM, yes, but if that CRM is not inputting most of the data for you, I don't think you're going to do it. So there's an um, easier thing the CRM will do first is saying uh, of your current prospects, who's most interested in talking to you and who's most interesting to you, defining based on the, your historical uh, success rates, uh, with different types of companies saying, okay, we see that these companies you're talking to have most similarities with the ones you're usually successful with. So they're most interesting to you, but on the other direction as well, Asset keeps tracks automatically of all the interactions you're having uh, with these companies. It says, okay, and these also show most interest in you uh, in the other direction, which makes that this is the first one uh, to focus on also because we see 
maybe that this is a larger company uh, which has uh, where you could sell more or uh, yeah I mean depending on the, the the thing you're selling and it can can have different parameters there uh, that's probably more in the in the one year time frame so what we're saying is CRM is becoming more self-service and actually done for you as opposed to you having to do the whole thing and knowing yeah. the tools are evolving in a way that's making it so that the data entry part of what we have to do for a CRM is becoming less onerous is maybe the first obstacle cleared for people who have traditionally said, I don't want to spend the time creating a new record every single time I create a new prospect, right? That's, yeah. that's really a lot of times is the barrier to why people won't participate in the tool. So knowing that we're getting to a place where it's starting to do that work for you is probably the first most important thing that people need to understand. Definitely. And then I, uh, let me, let me, I guess I'll wrap it up and ask you this one. So, you know, I grew up before selling before the internet. I, worked in a bullpen environment where, you know, we didn't have cubicles. It was just all of us in a big open area at our desks. And oftentimes I was taught by listening to what other people were doing successfully. Mm -hmm. because we were all sitting together. That's out the window. Now. How does a sales force that's geographically distributed like that Mm -hmm. can't have that dynamic. How do you replace that? Uh, there's tools out there uh, which um, are a bit similar to what you mentioned earlier. Uh, they're called gong.ai for enterprises, refract.ai for um, small and medium-sized businesses that are tools that basically um, join your, um, your call or your video call uh, that keep track of all the things you're saying, that make transcripts, that define who's talking now, who's talking now. They, they sort of um, detect that, that uh, detect the words and the topics you talk about, and that start analyzing a conversation uh, to a certain extent already. It's, it's used by sales managers to coach their salespeople without having to be in meetings. Uh, they can just go into that tool, uh, see how their best uh, salespeople are, are doing things, and then try to teach the other ones they can look at calls that have been done and all that. Uh, try to teach the other ones how to do their calls better based on what they learned from from the the, the, the best performing ones. I think that's probably it's probably the best way if it's about calls. Obviously, you can also set up knowledge sharing uh, stuff. You can make a, a Slack channel for everyone to discuss the latest. Starting with an understanding that all of that is still necessary, right? We all still want to know how to compete. We all still want to know where our product is superior. We all still want to know how we price out against the competition. And if we don't stay focused as a group on gathering that information because of the way this environment works now, it would be very easy for that to go away. I would say at this moment, in this stage of selling, in the ways that we have to do this now, all of what you just described is infinitely more uh, important than it became in the past because we've been robbed of a lot of this person-to-person -person stuff that we generally relied on to give ourselves that strategic advantage that we may have had in the past. So not focusing on what those replacements are for those things is a big miss. I don't think in a lot of instances that sales management has broken it down to that granular of a level 
to understand where the places are that they need to be filling in as a replacement strategy for the way things quote used to be, right? That that's gonna that's gonna be an an evolution, I think, as opposed to a revolution. But so last thought here: if you were leaving the discussion and you wanted to make sure that the listeners, if they stuck with one thing from this discussion that you and I just had about this whole notion of remote selling, what would be the thing that you would say? If you do nothing else, do this one thing. And that's something we also found out uh, at Salesflare uh, over the over the past half year is that in the past we used to rely a lot on sort of accidental communication. Uh, we always believed that being in the same office together uh, made us better communicators because we were next to each other and we were like hear what the other person was saying and say something and then you know. There was all this kind of interaction going on, but not really organized. We just we were just close to each other, uh, sort of uh, what people often uh, call uh, the water cooler conversations and all that. But then when we went remote, when, when COVID started, we noticed that a lot of what we were doing in the past was very disorganized. And we started systematizing a lot of internal communication things to make sure that we, we would actually still uh, properly communicate with each other. And those are very important things to think about. To give you a few small ideas, we take meeting notes during meetings in a Google Doc collaboratively, like people can can look at the document. There's always one person typing, but everybody looks at the same document. We have Zoom on the sides. Uh, that makes that after the meeting, we know perfectly what has been discussed, uh, what we decided to do, what we didn't decide to do and why. Now, if you're three in a meeting, uh, the other people will not read the whole document to know what you've discussed. I mean, it's too much time. So what we do at the end of each meeting is we take 10 minutes to write down the announcements from the yeah. meeting. It's a short version, sort of short. This is what you should know about the stuff we discussed in this meeting. Uh, and we post it on Slack, which makes that everybody always knows what has been discussed. We actually stand still and think, what should the others know about what we discussed and summarize it? Well, there you have it. I mean... It, it really is. I think we're at the stage of the game now where your average salesperson is over the shock of how the world has changed. Many of us now are just trying to, you know, it's a new world. It's a new day. How do we do this effectively? And so I really appreciate you coming on and giving us some of your insight on how to best do that, man. It's uh, really good. And I'm sure the folks will really enjoy it. Wow. What a great episode. It's really interesting to consider the fact that there are CRM systems out there now that will auto-populate a lot of the fields that you and I traditionally have been loath to want to fill out. And it has been a real impediment for strong adoption of CRMs for a lot of sales organizations. But really, I mean, if you think about this, it's about efficiency and productivity and trying to make sure that you are trying to do the best you possibly can in this new set of circumstances. But, you know, uh, a couple other interesting topics were making sure that the stress of productivity is recognized so that you can sense when you're having a negative um, motivation moment, uh, making space for interpersonal connections in a virtual world. 
thinking about ways to track digital body languages, and then this whole notion of AI and how it's starting to supercharge sales productivity and the way that uh, CRM is becoming a little bit more self-service than it has been in the past. And then that discussion about the value of the group dynamic and selling and the ways that we need to replace that in order to be able to learn and grow Uh, in what can be somewhat isolated environments when we're all sitting behind not one but two screens when we're trying to interact with one another. So I thought that was a really great episode. I hope you do too. If you found any value in it, please share it around with other folks to let them know that um, what you found valuable so they might be able to do the same. If you've not subscribed to the show, please do so. If you've not left us a review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. If we get to 50 reviews, it unlocks a new algorithm with Apple Podcasts. We'll get you which will give us a whole bunch of new features for the show. So help me with that. And until the next time, I look forward to talking to you again.